Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the Top 250 Podcast. I'm Sam Kane. If you hadn't seen uh, today's movie, it has most certainly influenced at least one of the films all you cinephiles have seen before. Seven Samurai is the film, and I'm psyched that today I have a guest who loves this movie. It's one of his favorite movies, I believe. Uh, Chris Montello. Chris, how's it going? Great, great. Uh, excited to be here, and definitely one of my favorite movies, That that's for sure. Uh, I've seen it, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I've seen it probably over 10 times. Yeah, that's right. You did say that, 10 times. And uh, how did you discover this movie? Like, uh, did you first see it when you were a lot younger? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, actually, believe it or not, probably it does have something to do with the IMDb Top 250. You know, when I was like a, uh, a budding cinephile, uh, in like you know maybe when i was 12 or 13 i, I kind of made a resolution that i was going to see you know all the great movies and uh probably the imdb top 250 is how i sort of determined back then what the great movies uh were so like when i was 13 14 i just like fired through like oh okay i'm gonna watch this and kane i'm father and the godfather too i'm gonna watch pulp fiction you know i saw all these movies for the first time you know i just like went and got the DVDs. I was very ethical. I, I tried to buy and rent things as much as possible. I think I probably picked up like, like the old Criterion Collection disc of Seven Samurai. And uh, yeah, it was probably one of the first really like foreign films or even Japanese, like first really foreign films that I, that I watched um, during that kind of, you know, personal project to watch all, all these films. And, and I think also, though, that um, part of what appealed to me about it was that I was a big Star Wars fan, right? And and George Lucas always talks about uh, the influence of Akira Kurosawa. So I think a lot of things kind of made it very appealing to me as a Star Wars fan. And so I definitely checked. And, uh, and yeah, I've seen it many times since then. It, it sort of, in a way, it it sort of opened up this world of Japanese cinema, which, um, you know, it's probably my favorite, you know, world cinemas and uh, definitely have seen probably more Japanese language films than any other non-English language, I would say. Yeah, because uh, Kurosawa, he has a bunch of movies in the top 250, I believe. I believe he has four others last time really? I checked. Really? I, I, I can only imagine what they are. Maybe like, uh, well, Rashomon probably is up there, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, um, you mentioned George Lucas, um, and when I was doing research for this... Um, I, I uh, saw the influence that this had on Star Wars. I think another movie Kurosawa did, Hidden Fortress, I believe it's That's right, yep. That was yep. uh, heavily influential to the first Star Wars movie. How about uh, the helmet on one of the, or the, the bandit at the end? Actually, some of them. It kind of, kind of, the back of it kind of reminds me of Darth Vader. You, you definitely Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a, a, sam, a samurai influence on uh, on the design of Darth Vader, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, and and also, interestingly, I'm not too sure uh, if I've seen this sort of widely stated, but um, the type of movie that this is is a, is a period piece, of course. It's set in the, uh, in the 1500s, and the Japanese words for period piece are uh, Jidai Geki, uh, and and I might, I might I imagine that the word Jedi comes from this from this phrase Jedi 
geki. Jidai means like period, and so it's like period drama. Geki is drama. So so even that aspect comes from uh, comes from this film or these films. Oh, that's fascinating. Like I mm. I really look at this as kind of like a blueprint movie for so many uh, modern films. There's just so many different tropes you can spot right away when watching this, like uh, assembling a, a crew, forbidden love. Uh, and it also, it doesn't really seem like a 1950s movie. It just seems like so ahead of its time, especially with mm-hmm, um, absolutely. The, the techniques that it uses for the battle scenes. Apparently, Kurosawa used three different cameras at once mm-hmm. he had uh one camera that was more zoomed out and then one that was really close in on the action and then the third one was just kind of gorilla style finding random action getting additional shots definitely something you would not see in uh an american movie back in the 50s uh, right so ahead of its um, time uh, Kurosawa. I mean, he's really responsible even for m- making Japanese film um, popular outside of Japan. I mean, prior to 1950, you know, I don't think that people outside Japan really were paying attention to. I mean, it was still it was still a robust and rich cinema, but you know, through the silent all the way starting in the silent era. But I think with Rashomon in 1950, that was really where people took notice because that film won it film festival, the uh, Kurosawa film, uh, Rashomon. And uh, from that year forward, in 51, 52, I think Japanese films uh, took that prize, I think. I'm not too sure if, if Seven Samurai won at uh, Venice itself, but, you know, though that sort of, that circumstance of, of Japanese film having a wider sort of European and American recognition, you know, really comes down to, to Kurosawa and, and his films, uh, so it really is like a very watershed movie along with uh, Rashomon and, and some of the other ones that Kurosawa made during that time. It was really like a golden age of, of Japanese cinema that was, that, that was happening and being recognized uh, the world over. Yeah, it was actually, I, I didn't think it would be, but when I looked it up, I saw that it was nominated for two Academy Awards. So it's nice mm-hmm. that America recognized how... Uh, you know, how innovative and great this movie was uh, soon after it came out. I guess it was, I mean, it should have won. Um, <laughs> I don't know what actually won that year in 54, or if it was, right. actually, I think it might have been a few years later when they recognized it. So I take that last statement back, but it was nominated for Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design. And I mean, it should have been nominated for a lot more than that. Can't I can't think of uh, another movie from 1954 that's more significant than this one. I think yeah. the only movie uh, above it right now in the top 250 from the 50s is 12 Angry Men. That was 57. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a very very <laughs> different kind of movie. I oh mean, yeah, you know, coming out of being based on on television you know this is like a real this is a movie seven samurai is like the most is like this this is an epic film you know it's it's really tremendous and and i don't know that there was this history of these epic uh action films in japan really before that so it was definitely uh you know ambitious is a a very good uh sort of word for it 
Yeah, I mean, they say that a lot of the American directors um, would borrow from this movie, um, which is very true. They definitely um, were uh, influenced by Kurosawa's techniques. Um, But I actually heard that Kurosawa was influenced by American Westerns um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for for just the setting of the movie. I mean, it was remade in 19... Well, I don't don't know if it's an official remake, but it heavily influenced the Magnificent Seven Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. from 1960, Mm -hmm. which is another one. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, You know... um, there's a lot of there's there's some John Ford you know in uh, in Seven Samurai you know I recall uh, it's been a long time since I've seen this film maybe not since since college which was like you know over over a decade ago now for me at this point uh, turning thirty this year uh, oh man but, I'm uh, already there enjoy enjoy the last uh, <laughs> few uh, <laughs> few months of your twenties yeah it's not that bad I know, I know. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah but this. Yeah, this film, uh, My Darling Clementine, I probably haven't seen it since college, but that's the John Ford film, John Ford Western. And and I remember I saw that film, and, and there's a scene in that movie where um, Henry Fonda plays, uh, does he play, I guess he plays Wyatt Earp in that film. I, I feel bad if I get that wrong, um, but it, he's playing like an historical kind of or legendary Western figure, and he becomes the sheriff of this town. And, and how... And how he becomes the sheriff is that he there's this scene in the beginning where he like rushes into like a bank robber or something like that. There's like this moment where he has this kind of act of heroism, which proves him as being this kind of valiant, capable uh, hero, which allows him to become employed as as the sheriff. I'm probably completely remembering this wrong. It was like 12 years ago that I saw this film. But I remember that struck me as like, hey, this is the scene from Seven Samurai, right, where um, uh, Takashi Shimura does a similar thing where he proves his cleverness as a samurai by, um, you know, dressing up as a, as a monk, shaving his head and rushing into the house to save the child from, from the thief. And this is like a completely separate story from the story that ultimately unfolds, but it's like a little mini story that introduces us to this character and like establishes him as heroic. And so this like idea of like the action scene that sets up the hero that to me comes from uh this other film my darling clementine and which i think predates seven samurai and uh so i think that that's just an example of like you know here are some of the things that kurosawa is drawing from like he's drawing from like heist movies like the asphalt jungle or something like that you know like these these western films that have people putting together a team or they're you know the, the they're showing these like big these larger than life heroic figures like that's a very kind of hollywood thing which you know surely uh, influenced kurosawa yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i was reading um roger ebert's review of this movie and he mentions that kind of trope with uh heroes that we see in movies how um there's something at the beginning that's separate from the plot but we see the hero in action see him save someone and he mentions that he thought Seven Samurai was the first movie to use that, but uh, clearly that doesn't sound like the case. It sounds like it was in uh, that John Ford movie. That you just yeah, mentioned. 1946 uh, that came out, so it was a little bit before. I, I just remember being struck by like, oh, this this must be where you know Kurosawa got it from when I saw that saw that film. But uh, certainly John Ford, it's definitely a give and take, right, with westerns where. 
um, you know, Kurosawa is influenced by the westerns that came before his movie, but westerns that came after were influenced by Kurosawa, right? Because like you said, there's The Magnificent Seven, Kurosawa has a film called Yojimbo, and then from there you have Fistful of Dollars, the Italian film, the oh, Spaghetti yeah. Western, A Fistful of Dollars is a remake of Yojimbo. And so there's, there's like this kind of give and take of like uh, westerns kind of being filtered through Kurosawa films and then coming out with more westerns influenced on, on that. I'm just so impressed with uh, the blend of, of uh, storytelling. I mean, you really get to know these characters. The movie really takes its time in the first hour. I mean, there's really not a lot of action going on. It's more, all right, we're going to introduce you to all these characters. And, um, you know, they do it in, in humorous ways as well. So you get a very cool balance of drama, humor, and I feel like it 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 almost works as like a blockbuster in some ways. Like it has elements of the modern day blockbuster, but it's also it's, it's kind of an art film in a lot of ways mm-hmm. as well. In fact, yeah, it, yeah, it sounds like they the they wanted to film this. The studio wanted to film this uh, inside inside one of their yeah, studios. That's true. And um, they ended up filming it. Um, oh, man, I don't have the name of the the location. It's a peninsula in Japan, I believe. Yeah, I, I know what you're, exactly what you're talking about. I don't quite remember it either. But, yeah, he, he wanted it to be on location. He didn't want to shoot it uh, on the Toho uh, uh, back lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that I would imagine that contributes to the enormous uh, expense of the film, which... You know, I think would have left Toho in, in in dire straits if this movie and the other movie that was made there uh, in 1954 uh, were not as wildly successful as they were. Do you know what the other wildly successful Toho movie in 1954 was? No, what's that? Oh, was it Godzilla? Uh, it was Godzilla. Okay, yeah, 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 all right. Yeah. yeah, So, so those two movies at Toho the same year, it could have been a huge, huge flop and destroyed the studio, but they... They they managed to have some of the you know the two of the most successful uh, Japanese films of all time. Wow, that worked out. And I I mean I even heard that Kurosawa mention that he agreed that yes it it does make it more expensive filming it outside. But if you're filming it in a studio, you're not going to get the same kind of performances from the actors. They're going to react to things in a completely different way. When they're mm-hmm. uh, when they're outside, they're gonna they're gonna feel like they're they're really in battle. Right, exactly. And I think this is like a really important uh, aspect of uh, of Kurosawa's uh, films. I think there is like a, a kind of a a realism that he seeks to to create. Certainly, like this more naturalistic realism, because um, you know even the idea of having those multiple cameras to capture the action. You know, I think that it lends itself to more realistic action, right? Like you're not choreographed. I mean, sure, sure, there's choreography, but it's like it's almost like a doc. Like having three cameras is almost like something a documentarian would do, and so I think that there is this kind of element of 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 wanting to capture um, uh, nature and reality and things kind of as they happen and as they are, um, which is sort of important to. Uh, the Kurosawa style. I mean, in um, in in 
in Stray Dog, his film from 1949. Uh, it's uh, kind of like a gangster noir film set in, in, I guess, in Tokyo. And he, he is filming in Tokyo during um, the American occupation of Japan. And he's capturing the kind of depressive state of of Tokyo and, and the people there there's like this extended sequence where there isn't even really like the plot isn't really happening it kind of takes a pause just to kind of show us like here's how people are living in Tokyo during this time and, and so it's almost has this like documentary sensibility uh which I think uh I don't know I think that's part of perhaps his attitude his approach to filmmaking is to try to make things f feel more real uh, and uh, I think that's I think that that's not really often talked about as far as I as I'm aware when it comes to, to, to Kurosawa. So I think that that's a very cool uh, uh, little little tidbit, a little a cool stylistic uh, aspect of of this film that he he really wants to have them like in nature and like in battle. Really wanted to um, have this. Um, uh, I guess like this rip roaring, fun, exciting um, movie, uh, particularly one with uh, a Western sensibility um, and one humor uh, and um, a lot of sort of warmth. And 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 if and I and I, what struck me when I was watching this film again, uh, maybe I guess maybe for the eleventh time, who knows, uh, <laughs> is just how many laughs there are, like how often characters are laughing. And, and that's really in direct contrast to some of the samurai epics um, that were made prior to this one. Um, you know, there are a lot of kind of, I don't want to say humorless, but, you know, there's, it's a bit more, more, more staid and more um, like kind of cold, you know, some of the and less human, you know, like people not really acting like humans, but they're acting kind of like in this theatrical way, this Japanese theatrical way, like mm -hmm. the traditions of like kabuki and, and no and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and um, in any case, so, you know, I really think that um, this character of, uh, of uh, Kikichiyo uh, is meant to sort of just inject that, that, uh, that mirth and that sort of comic relief into the film and 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 uh uh Mifune, the actor uh had worked with kurosawa in basically all of his films um starting in in like 1946 or something i think is the first film they did was drunken it's called drunken angel and uh since drunken angel you know Mifune starred in all of kurosawa's films pretty much um with the exception of um Ikiru, Ikiru in 1952 and so I think that uh, it was almost like he, he was he wanted he was obligated to find a role for him and and I think that he intended uh, for him to play the um, the um, sort of this the very skilled swordsman character uh, Kyuzo I think is the character's name mm -hmm. uh, and and that, and that feels like a like a Mufune role because he's like a tough guy uh, and uh, he, he would play still a kind of a funny character but uh uh much more uh tough and professional character in, in yojimbo but i think that um you know for this film he, you know he felt that um you know creating this character where mufune can just kind of be off the wall crazy 
you know, do, do, do the improv, tell, tell jokes and, uh, ultimately, um, was, you know, it's emblematic of the, I think the style that Kurosawa was uh, trying to go for in this, in this film to make it more, you know, to make it more fun and, and, and full of humor. And, and ultimately though, I think Mufune becomes the hero. He becomes the, he's the character that really has this sort of heroes, this sort of arc of kind of starting out as the clown and then becoming one of the most valiant and most, um, you know, heroic of, of all of them. You know, I think that it's, it's, he's the best, he's the best character in the film. Oh, um, but I think, I think that part of the film's appeal is this really great, uh, and, and innovative, uh, performance that, uh, that, uh, that Toshiro, uh, Mifune, um, has in the film. Yeah. Um, I'm just so I was so impressed. Like um, he, it it just didn't really seem like a character that you would see in a 1950s film. Like, if anything, it 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 just it seemed like something like a character you would see made up nowadays. Just like kind of the way he carries himself, how he prances about it. Uh, you know, he he just he really he steals the scenes that he's in, especially when he's uh he's training uh everyone with uh their um the the spears. The spears, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that the kids love him. That scene where <laughs> the kids are, are he's he's doing like this stand up routine to the kids and he asks the little kid, like, Do you have a hot sister? And the kid is cracking up. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's great. That definitely the my favorite performance in this by far uh does such a great job um now there are some scenes that are they're pretty tough to watch especially um when uh manzo um is uh hitting his daughter towards the end of the movie that that's that's a trope we see in a lot of movies now uh Kind of like uh, forbidden love, like um, you know, like oh, we we might we might die tomorrow, so we have to finally get together tonight. Um, and that that's just, it's cool that they they have you know we get to know these characters so early in the film. Um, they're just really well rounded and. Uh, you know, we we get to see their their arcs play out for the mm-hmm. most part. Absolutely, um, th- it's there. There just so much. There's so much richness to to the story, and you know, it's such a it's a long movie. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, Return of the King uh, length, <laughs> and uh, you know, has the intermission. But I, I feel like you never feel like it's slow. It's it's like super. It's just. It's it's not long because it's slow. In other words, it's long because it's just packed full of stuff, uh, and and all of the stuff feels like it needs to be there. Um, you know, it's, it's so much of the movie is just it's not just the the attack or the um, you know the battle with the bandits, but it's the planning of of the attack. It's the assembling of the crew, as you mentioned. You know, of course, probably one of the best examples of that trope. I always like to say that, you know, there's almost a, a meta-textual element to Seven Samurai. What I mean by that is, in a way, it's sort of like making a movie. You know, you have your 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 casting your your movie, 
you know, you're, which is like assembling the team. You know, you're, they're, you're scouting the locations, right? Like where they're walking around with their map and they're making notes, you know, this is what we'll have to do here. It's almost like this is where we'll shoot this scene. This is where we'll do this, you know, that we're, we're, we're rehearsing and they're getting the people together. You know, I, I think that, you know, maybe there's something to the idea that filmmakers like to make these movies, you know, like they always say, like, write what you know. And surely, you know, Kurosawa can't draw from personal experience as a samurai, but he can draw from personal experience of putting together a crew to make a project. And, and I think that, you know, in a way, you know, it's the best example of that because it spends so much time on the on the planning aspect of it and to me it like this movie makes me want to make a movie because it's like i want to i want to assemble a crew to do a thing you know i want to make them i want to like you know scout a location and like get it get an intern and you know get the crazy guy wild card guy who improvises everything you know i want i want to make a movie like this movie makes me want to make a movie not only because it's so good but because it it seems to be about that in, in, in in a way if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I didn't think of it like that, but yeah, it's almost like you're you're preparing for battle when you're making when you're about to make a movie. You know, right? You're uh, you're battling all kinds of different exterior forces, whether it's uh, you know the weather, the studio, or <laughs> could be people in your own crew, could be your actors. Exactly. But yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and I I like how you brought up the planning of it. Um, I feel like it it's really it really um, enhances the the uh, the second act of the movie because it's almost like we we know the location so well because of all the planning we saw them do. And, right. Exactly. And we almost feel like observers during this battle. And exactly. Like we we almost know where everything is uh, geographically located. Exactly. I love that. I love that uh, Kurosawa takes his time to um, give us all this information that we can kind of keep track of later. Like the the very idea that we know that there are forty bandits and like they take the time to to cross out each one. Like we can visually keep track of of how many enemies there are. Like the the stakes and the terms and like. You know, the tactics and the plans are all laid out and in a way that's fun so we're not bored uh, and then it just makes the battle that much more interesting where we just kind of understand you know every kind of angle of it like that we know that there are three guns right I think that there are three guns yeah and so it's like okay we know we've eliminated one it's like getting us into the fun of 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 the tactical you know element of of, of the plan I mean I, I think that's so cool I, I can't think of another movie that does that that well even even today i can't think of a movie that takes its time to to really make us understand like the the math of the action in in that way there is one movie that i like which uh is a good like planning kind of movie although they don't they never actually implement the plan which is uh the uh um the french movie uh bob le flimbert i can't remember the year on that one but that's uh um that's a heist. It's kind of a, a like a French New Wave heist movie, and I always remember. I, I always remember like they they go on. They go as far as to like like they, they show like all these scenes where they're like practicing cracking the safe. Like they're not actually cracking the safe. It's just like we have to we have to practice. Like it shows you like kind of the mechanics of cracking a safe, and then also they 
they they get like um, chalk, to, like how you would do it in like a soccer field, right, to make the, the lines, and they go outside, and then they use the chalk on the grass to like make a like a like a full scale map of the bank. So and then they practice like the heist on this like big map that they've made, and that's like like most of the movie because they don't actually pull off the heist, and that's sort of like the, you know the French new wave twist of the movie is that there's no actual heist, but <laughs> but it's just all of like kind of the planning of it. And I don't know. I don't know why I, I kind of just, I really, really like that. I, I like these movies that like really focus on like Michael Mann's thief is another one where it just spends so much time like showing what thief crack, like safe cracking is like with, and it's not, it's not actually exciting, but it's kind of just interesting because you, you, it's like the kind of thing that in a, that in a regular movie would, there would be so much, like like tension and drama where like you're not thinking about like how safe cracking is actually done and then and then there's um uh the man escaped the brisson film uh which is similar you know it's it's like it's the de-dramatized uh a de-dramatized movie about escaping from a prison where you just kind of like watch him figure out how to escape in like the least interesting or at least exciting way possible but it's somehow it's it's interesting. Uh, so there's lots of little things like that. I really have to check out uh, more Kurosawa's movies. Um, got a got a bunch more doing the top two fifty here. Oh, I'm, I see High and Low here is eighty three. Oh, so High and Low is so yeah. good. Well, well, I'll have you on for all of Kurosawa's movies. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 